whatever he became, the, the sweet, kind, brilliant man that we once knew long ago. He's Chemistry gone. is the study of transformation. What would you do? Special Breaking Bad Nerdables. I'm R.A. Rain, and coming to us from the ABQ, Travis, call me Badger Jones. What's up, bitch? That's uh, eloquent language you use. Right? So unless you've been held captive and forced to make meth, or buried in the Albuquerque desert, you know that last night was the final episode of Breaking Bad. So for anybody who hasn't seen it... Yes. Click, click, pause now, or stop, or just delete the page. Yes, yes. Or you know the, those fuckers that want to watch it on Netflix, you know. Ah, uh, yes the the binge wa- the binge watching on uh, Netflix. Right. Hey, I'm totally down with that. Hey, There's he, plenty of awesome stuff to binge watch on Netflix. True, and that's how I ended up getting caught up. You know, and and Vince Gilligan, you know, the creator of it, actually said that thank you to Netflix after the uh, after the Emmys because. You know, the show would have been dead in the water without Netflix. That's amazing. Isn't it? That's so cool, though. I like it. Technology. So, anyways, any of those people that are watched it last night and are still here with us, we've got a really cool show this time. Travis and I are going to discuss some of our favorite moments from the series and how the show has changed the way we watch TV. But I thought first we would start off with a little message from Walters White himself. Walters White. Walters White, yes. Anyways, here's uh, Brian Cranston's thoughts on how Breaking Bad ended. Wow. Thinking of of the last episode ever of Breaking Bad. It was trepidatious to read the script of the last episode, let alone shoot it. Now we're faced with the final airing. It's bittersweet because we're so happy that we had this opportunity, and yet you have to say goodbye. And anything really worthwhile is perishable. And so I've come to accept that. What doesn't have to be so immediately perishable is the bond that was connected with the people you worked with. And the the cast and the the crew will always be brothers and sisters to me. I I love them and I will miss them. There was a couple things he said in that that interview that was pretty cool that really rang out true to me, and uh, a lot of it was about you know how the camaraderie and how he's going to miss everybody, and you know when you get a show like that where everybody is just they they become a family, you know that's when you know a show is great, you know, and that's when a show is going to really excel and be bigger than what it could have been. I mean, yeah, when you're when you're working on a. When you're working on a piece like that that's been around for multiple seasons, so they're at five, so they're at syndication, 
uh, these people have been working day in and day out with each other five days a week for anywhere between 10 and 16 hour days every day. You, yeah, you're, you're getting pretty close to those folks. Yeah, but I mean, there's sometimes where you know you see shows, and and you can tell it in the way that the acting and you know when when it airs, you can tell that you know once that once the director says cut, the actors go their separate ways and don't pay any attention to each other until their next scene. But for right. a show like this, you know, it was it's really cool because every time you ever see them doing an interview or doing the Emmys or stuff like that, they're always joking around, they're always laughing, and you can tell that they truly love each other, and when you're watching the show that totally comes through. Right. So what did you think about how it ended? Uh, well, I, you know, going back to what he said, uh, it's interesting because you, you always want to leave people wanting more. You always want to leave something, uh, unsaid. Uh, you always want to leave things hanging on some level. And, uh, I, I really like that line he has about anything good is perishable. Yeah. And, uh, it's so true because, uh, how many shows out there have continued to go on forever and, and they've milked every inch out of it and then beyond it. And they do, there's that classic saying of jumping the shark oh, and, yeah, definitely. you know, they continue to beat a dead horse trying to get as much out of it as they can. Whereas this one I think is that classic, they were the, the crown champions and went out on top kind of situation. Um, and it, it was, it was great. I, I, I think honestly, it was a little bit, the, the, these final five, five or three last episodes are much like the, uh, David Letterman top 10 list, right? Like number three and number two are way more hilarious than number one. And I kind of feel like that's the way it was with these last three episodes of Breaking Bad. I think the third to last episode, the last episode, and then this final episode, I think the third one, I was absolutely in awe, my mouth agape. I was constantly trying to keep up with what was happening. I was on the edge of my seat, and it was one of the most tense, suspenseful TV hours I've ever experienced in my entire well, sure. life. Well, sure. I mean, the whole thing started out with, you know, Hank getting killed and then... Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah you so, know, and that whole thing was just amazing. But then you get to the end of it, and it was, you know, it was one of those those stares that just kept getting more intense, more, you know, the higher it went, the later in the episode. And by the time you got to the end, when he grabbed, or when, when Walt and, uh, and Skyler are rolling around on the floor with the knife, you know, you're rooting for Skyler at that point, and just, you know, it, it just totally is mind-blowing especially when he walks out with the baby yeah well and it was also i was uh, rather than rooting for either of them it was more of a no 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 right because the one the one thing that he had always tried to save was the family that was what everything was about so uh that was that was uh, it was that was a very grief-stricken episode and then the, the second to last episode was was extremely high yeah. and uh a, a very uh suspenseful episode the last the final the final finale that they put out there I thought was a really good episode. Right. I thought it was interesting. It put a bow tie on everything. There's no question as to where everything's going to go from here. They sealed up everything. He continued to be a step ahead of everything. He chose how it was going to end. Right. Um, I have a feeling that there are going to be people out there that think, oh, it could have been better. Right, right. But 
But when you press those people of how could it have been better, what do you think it could have been better, I don't think that they could give you a straight answer of what they would have done to made it, make it better. I think they did a very nice job. They got, they got Jesse out. Jesse's out. Who knows what's going to happen to Jesse, right. but he's out, and that's the point. Well, most you know, people thought that you know, and that it was going to end in a big blaze of glory, you know, or there's going to be some big major twist and everything like that. And I even got caught up into it a little bit, thinking of which you know, which, which threads of uh, plot had still been you know unraveled and hadn't you know been sewn up yet, and you know, and everybody wanted you know uh, the Scarface ending, you know, basically. And you got that you to kinda a degree. You kind of got the Scarface ending, though. Right, but you got you got that, but then you 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 get this, you know, and, and we have a clip from Vince a little bit ago that we're in a little bit that will tell you, you know, kind of that whole ending scene. Right. And and after I listened to it and watched it, and it was exactly how I felt when I was watching the episode happen. You know, it was just it, I I sat there and I I really I couldn't think of any other way that it could have ended that would have made sense that would have been true to the characters. I'll tell you this, whether I was like jumping up and down with glee or whether I was, uh, whether I was, uh, walking away, you know, touting the, the multitude of amazement that was the final episode. And I don't think I was doing that, but reviewing what happened to each character and how everything played out. Uh, I very much feel satisfied right. with the way things finished because for me, where everything went, it was all leading to one ending. There was no way that Walter White was going to survive the end episode. There was no, no, no way. He couldn't. And if he did, you know, it, it would be almost like the uh, uh, the Natural Born Killers ending, you know, where, you know, the villains get away, you know, and you're almost glorifying what they did. Right. But you're also in a situation here where they've done an unbelievable job. That I mean, the... The ability for them to get you to understand and sympathize and root for the villain uh, is really one of the biggest achievements of the show. Yeah, that and I that, mean, Walter scene, White is purely the villain of the show, even though he is the protagonist. He's still the villain. Yeah, the scene with him and Skyler when she's on the phone with Marie, and then they do that beautiful reveal from around the post. Yeah, you've got five minutes. Oh, that was so great that, you know, the way that, because no one expected him to be in the room. You know, uh, I, I was wondering. Well, I, I was kind, wondering because. I kind of, the way, she, the way she was so, you know, so timid when she yeah. was speaking, I kind of wondered if there was something going on or if somebody was there. But when it was revealed that it was Walt, I was like, oh, that is such a brilliant review reveal. And then uh, the, um, did you see her face in the microwave reflection? Because no. you know, most of that scene with her and Walt, you see just kind of her her profile, you know, from the back mostly, but in the in the microwave you see her face. And, oh, I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. Yeah, and it was cool because um, last night when uh, they after the episode aired, um, they had the talking bad with Chris Hardwick on it, and right. he was talking to him. He was talking to Vince about how great that scene was and how and asked him if it was done on purpose. And Vince said, well, he didn't even realize it had happened until he got into the editing process. And the editor said, I love how you shot this because look at her face in the microwave. And he was like, yeah, um, yeah, okay, great. Uh, that was kind of accidental. I didn't even see it there. <laughs> Dude, uh, we've talked about it before, but some of the greatest uh, moments in film history are when you get an accident that turns out perfect. Right. But even for Walt to finally admit that everything he had done 
was for himself and to feel alive and because he you know he just he started craving it opposed to what he'd said for 61 episodes of he was doing it for the family you know i think that's a half truth do you yeah not not when you see not with the ending of it and and i feel it's a half truth before i really do feel it's a half truth because i think at that point he's already planned out how this is all going to end Okay, well, and he needs to say goodbye to everyone in his own way. I get that, but l- listen to listen, um, listen to what Vince has to say in this clip from last night's uh, um, Talking Bad, and then uh, we'll talk about you know whether or not that he did it for himself or for you know just to say you know where what he was really doing with um, everything you know making the meth and and right. all the stuff leading up to tonight or last Hit night. Hit the clip. What do you? What is Walt's state of mind? You think in the very last scene? Does you think he feels like that I did everything I was supposed to do? I think in that last scene he is uh, he is with his precious, you know, in uh, in Lord of the Rings terms. Yeah. He is with uh, he is with his uh, that that meth lab that, that he and uh, uh, Jesse designed uh, their baby, so to speak. And I think the lyrics of the song uh, "Baby Blue" by Badfinger back that up. And I think he is at peace with himself. He he has screwed up his life tremendously. I think he knows that. But he has uh, accomplished the thing that he set out to accomplish in that very first pilot episode, 62 episodes of TV ago. He, he wanted to leave money to his family, and he's accomplished that uh, with the aid of Gretchen and Elliot. Um, yeah, I still, I still hold true to my half-truth. I think that, uh, I think that he needed to let Skyler go, right. and I think Skyler needed to have—he had to give her the push. If we go back to the Avengers, sometimes people need a push sure. to, to go to the next level. And I think no matter what, she was always going to be hanging in the balance. And I believe that he did do all of it for himself. And I do believe that he did enjoy every minute of it. And I do believe that he was, you know, that was the most successful thing he had ever done in his life. I believe everything he said. Right. And I don't. I, I don't doubt it. That's that's not a lie. But what I'm where I'm going with this is that it's not the full truth. He's giving her half of the truth, saying like I did it for me, I did it for this, I did it for this. But just like Vince Gilligan just said, he did exactly what he set out to do at the very very first episode. He had to find some way to set his family up to be okay for the rest of their lives without him, sure. because he was he was absolutely dead fast in the fact that he was going to end up dying from cancer no matter what he did. Right. No matter what happened, he was going to die. That scene so in the beginning. he with has to set up somehow to take care of them, and he did that. So then it's more of a process of this was the, uh, this was the uh, resolving process with all the different people. Right. I mean, that's, that's why he gives uh, – that's why – he gives Jesse the opportunity to kill him because of everything that he did to Jesse and everything he put Jesse through. He already knows he's going to die, so it's up to Jesse to do it, and Jesse doesn't take that. You know, obviously, if you're going to do it, you have to do it yourself, and I appreciate that from Jesse. But then right before Jesse finally leaves, when Walter drops the phone when he's on the phone with uh, Lydia, he they look at each other, and they both nod at each other, and there's that half-moment understanding between the two of them of it's it's kind of a goodbye i'm sorry good luck it's over all together mixed into one single nod to each other right that but that ending when with um 
you know, like what Vince was saying, you know, I felt everything that that they wanted me to feel. You know, when he when Walt puts his hand on that vat and you can see his reflection, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was it was just it was crazy. It gave me chills because you did, especially with that song playing in the background, because you know that baby blue, you right. felt like you know the meth was his baby. You know, like he cared about that just as much as he cared about Holly or Walt Jr., if not more. You know, sure. like it was the greatest thing in his life, and it made you know it made me think back to the scene with with uh, Walt and Gretchen at uh, Gray Matter. Mm-hmm. You know, when they 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 showed the flashback of them working on the elements of the human body. Okay, and you saw how passionate he was, when right? He, when he was talking to her about it, that made me you know it made me see that that when he left Gray Matter, he lost a part of himself, and this you know making the meth and everything brought that back in him. Right. It just when, when you know, it was just one of those scenes where you get so wrapped up in it that you know it's like almost you don't know if he's going to live or die at that moment. You you think he's going to die, but it's just that you know him and and his most prized possession. And all of a sudden, you get the police lights fl- reflecting the vat, and mm-hmm. it's like you know at that moment, as soon as you see those police lights, it's over. And then how yeah. they just had the hand just slowly slip away, and you just kind of see him go. You could see his face, yeah. You could see him kind of open his mouth, and you you knew he was going down. Um, you know, yeah. Well, the the meth was what gave him his power. I mean, it, it, that's a whole nother dynamic of the show because the meth instilled in him, or the you know the the becoming Heisenberg, the cooking of the meth, all of that. Yeah, uh, it instilled a whole nother level to his life and who he was it empowered him again as a person and as a man and as you know it gave him pride again it gave him uh a reason it 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 was so it it uh did so much for him and evolved his character so much now obviously three-fourths of it was horrible bad stuff right but it reinvigorated a dying man right right and that whole the whole scene uh nearly the opening scene with uh with uh, Gretchen and Elliot, and how he manipulated them was so beautifully done. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Well, they kind of had it coming. Especially. With oh, they totally had it coming. But especially with the laser pointers, when the reveal of the laser pointers was beautiful. You know, it's like, because because it was that one thing where you know Walt, you expect Walt to have two hitmen ready to do this, but then to have it being you know bad. Oh, you had to work in. You had to work in. Badger and Skinny Pete one more time. But that was so great. And I'm so glad that, that he ended up not killing. You know, I, I thought that he was going to end up killing uh, Badger and Skinny Pete when they were saying how immoral it was. No, no, no. Because at this point, he's done. He, he, At that point where he kind of made the choice to come back from the cabin in the woods. Yeah. Uh, it was fairly obvious that it was like, okay, I'm finishing what I started. Meaning those who need reprimanding or being taken out are going to be taken out, and those who need to be absolved are going to be absolved. But if and you notice... A hardline delineation between who needs to be removed and who doesn't. Right, but if you notice... And those guys didn't do anything to deserve to be no. taken out. And, and they, they, they were just lackeys all along. You know? But if oh. you notice, the people that he took out at the end of it were the ones who were responsible for still making the meth. Still yep. making his product, right? Because you know he said, like he said in uh, either. But they're also the people that wronged him, right? But Lydia in, wronged him multiple times, and she was uh, a machine that wasn't going to stop. And then you know, obviously, the guys that had Jesse. Yeah. 
yeah. I mean, the whole the whole episode for me, it it had everything that I it didn't necessarily have everything that I want that I would expect, but it had everything that I wanted or needed. Yeah, and and that's going back to when I was saying it tied up everything needed tying up. It took care of Skyler. It took care of his two kids. It took care of the jerks at Dark Matter. Uh, you know, he gave a little bit on the side to Badger and Skinny Pete. He took care of Jesse. He took out the neo-Nazis. He took out Lydia. And, uh, uh, you know, when you get to the end of that, there's, there's really nothing left. Right. Then it's just a matter of taking care of himself. And at that point, he had already determined that he was going to go. So I want to play you one more clip. Last night on Talking Dead, uh, Chris Hardwick, obviously everybody knows him as the nerdist, um, asked Aaron Paul why, uh, why he thought Jesse didn't shoot Walt at the end. Ooh, I have a, a theory, but play ahead. Okay, so here it goes. Yeah, why? No, um, <laughs> actually, I, I, at the beginning um, of this final 16 episodes, I really wanted Jesse to be the one. I mean, I knew it was going to be a kind of like, you know, head-to-head sort of thing. It just kind of had had to be, at least in my mind, I wanted it, that to be the case. But um, the more episodes that were revealed, I, I realized, you know, I didn't I didn't want Jesse to take another life, besides besides Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> one more, but, one and done. Yeah, yeah, I, I just, you know, I think he just is just above that and just let, let Walt kind of just die in his own misery. But what I thought was so great is Walt died kind of protecting Jesse. Yeah, yeah You know, dove, dove on Jesse. Yeah. Hoisted and, on his own petard, as yeah, they say. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. thought that was that was really beautiful. And you know what I think, too, to add to it? Back in, uh, Sam Catlin wrote an episode, wrote and directed an episode a couple episodes back called Rabid Dog. And in it, at the end, you're on the payphone and you say, I'm never doing what you tell me to do ever mm. again. And I think, that's, I think that had something to do with it, too. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. You know the last part of that, when uh, it definitely felt like to me, when Jesse's asking him, "You tell me, you know, tell me that you." Want I want to hear it from you. Yeah, I want you to. I want to hear it from you. At that moment, it was like he's not. He, you know, Jesse wasn't going to do it unless somebody told him to do it. But he's definitely not going to do it if Walt tells him to do it because he's so tired of doing everything that Walt tells him to do. Right. Well, Walt manipulated him from day one. Oh, totally. I, you know, part of me kind of wonders, and, uh, you know, obviously Aaron Paul did what he did with the character and, and uh, Vince Gilligan did what he did with the writing and the directing. I kind of wonder if there's almost, it, it's almost like a, a double-sided coin, things happening at the same time, because Walt did just throw himself into the fire to, and it, I mean, that was obvious. He, he needed to take out Jack and Todd and all those neo-Nazis. He needed to take all those guys out. Right. And that was obvious, and he was going to kill every single one of them. But at the same time, it was almost blatantly obvious that he was trying to save Jesse. Oh, yeah, He had definitely. to save Jesse. So, you know, even though in the heat of the moment, there's that big fuck you from Jesse saying, like, no, I won't pull the trigger. I won't kill you. And I agree with that. I still think there's there's so much history with them, even though the history is so tarnished and so destroyed. I still think there's some there's that little speck. There's that tiny little speck. No matter how betrayed he was, he still kind of had a, a fatherly love for Walt. Yeah, I also love the fact that uh, that Jack, you know, uh, Todd's uncle, didn't die. You know, right off the bat with everybody else. That you had yeah, that he was moment. still choking away. Yeah, you have that moment with him and with Walt, 
and you know he's telling Walt, well if you kill me you'll never know where the money is and before he can even oh, just finish pop it, him pop him yeah and you have that i love you, that and the fact that jesse got to kill todd was another great moment but that had to happen yeah that had to happen jesse had to take that dude out especially after uh what's her name claire and he just drops her no, no, just no, so Andrea. you know nothing personal and just execution style you mean andrea Brock's, uh, oh, was it Andrea? Andrea yeah, it was Andrea mom, was yeah. was his last girlfriend, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was. Oh, that rough. was when that happened. I, I was sitting there, and you, you kind of expect it to happen, but I was like, "Oh shit, no!" Like, <laughs> you know, you can't kill her. What about the Brock? But yeah, it was uh, it was a very intenseful uh, last few episodes. Totally intenseful. So what can if you? I know intenseful is not a word yet. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, and yeah. you played let's, right into it. Let's continue. Let's continue. I know. I caught that as you were, as it was coming out of my mouth, and you finished it for me. So yeah, you're welcome. So of all the sixty-two episodes, right? What is your most favorite moment? Wow. <laughs> God damn. That's uh, probably the toughest question you'll be asked on this. Yeah. No, I mean, we're going to we're going to ruin our take because I'm going to be here for the next 30 minutes trying to pick one. Um god, there are so many amazing There's so many, moments. I mean, you, in could, you could just go with, you know, what one moment from each, you know, season. I mean, it would still when, be they, too difficult. when they when they take out Tuco, uh when they take out Gus Frain. Yeah. Um, you know, when uh good lord, there's so much in that show that's so good. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, and when I was writing that, this question that moment, you. That, you know what? One of the most, even though it's recent, it's still one of the most uh, highly stressful moments in the entire show is when uh, is when Hank closes the garage door in his house, and he, and he and Walt stand off, and Hank calls him out and tells him he knows who he is and what he is and that he's going to get him, and Walt turns into Heisenberg during the conversation and basically says like, if you don't know who you're dealing with, maybe you should tread lightly. Oh yeah. And that, so that was one of the most like spine chilling moments for me. Yeah. That, that was probably one of the biggest moments for me. Um, what the, when they were out in the desert with those guys buying up the, uh, buying up the meth and they were selling out, they were like, uh, Mike and, and Walt and Jesse were like selling out of the business and he goes, say my name. Yeah. What's my name? That was amazing when he throws the the handmade grenade in in Tuco's office. Yeah, that's insane. that was that was a great moment. The the uh, the stuff that looks like the like looks like meth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was unbelievable. What, I mean, uh, when when Hank almost gets mowed down by the two brothers. Yes, I and mean, there's just so much. There's so much that was amazing in that whole show. That uh, yeah. Yeah, even even the um, when Hank is sitting down at the toilet and he picks up the book, and yeah, sees, and, and it dawns on him. Yeah, and just the way he dismisses himself out of the house when it comes back. Oh, so it was. I so- would have to say honestly, up until this last season, this last half season, I just remembered it. The strongest scene I can remember in the show was when Walter and Jesse have done I can't remember what it was they did behind Gus Frayne's back but it's when Gus Frayne has them cooking in the lab that he built inside the laundry like the industrial laundry place the super lab the super lab and they're downstairs and uh 
Gus Frayne walks in. I think it's the beginning of an episode, but they've just crossed Gus Frayne. And Gus walks into the super lab, and they're both on their knees in front of his right-hand man. And he walks in, does not say a oh, word. Oh, yes, the box cutter. The box cutter yes. does not say a word. Walks over to the lockers, gets into one of the hazmat suits, takes off his shoes, takes off his watch. All silent, not a word spoken. And this is why it was so powerful is because no one spoke. And then he walks back in front of him, puts the guy down in front of them, kneeling in front of him, slits his throat right no, in no, front of them. He doesn't put – the guy – because the guy had started to cook a little bit. Remember, because right. he, he, they were he was trying to get him to cook, and right, they wouldn't. Right, right. And then he comes up behind the guy as he's kind of standing there and just slits He's just standing there just, facing – well, he's standing there facing Walt and Jesse while they're on their knees in front of the dude. Right, and then just slits the guy's throat from ear to ear. Oh, it was beautiful. And just doesn't say the, a word, goes gets undressed, and walks out, and leaves him there. And, and that was it. Yeah, it was like one of the most powerful things of saying, you don't fuck with me. But yeah, and what made that more poignant, more more strong, was the fact that he never spoke. There was yes. never a word spoken. Not and one that, word. Up until this last season, because this last season was just jam packed with crazy moments. That was probably one of the, if not the, strongest moment for me. I mean, now now I'm starting to get in all the thoughts of like all the head games because Walter was always three or four moves ahead of everybody. He was three or four moves ahead. He he played chess like a champion. Yeah, I mean. When the whole thing where you know where they put the bomb on the bottom of the uh, on the bottom of the uh, wheelchair, you know, and Gus comes in and uh, he tells him to look at my, you know you know today's the day and is the first time. What oh god, what's his name? It was Tuco's uh, grand or uncle or whatever. Um, uh yeah, the one in the wheelchair. Yeah, I can't I can't remember his freaking name now. Yeah, um, but he finally looks at him and just smiles and just starts tapping on the bell. And yeah. Then, oh, and then you have Gus walk out, and you know, he just fixes his tie like nothing happened. And yeah, then with they do half the, a skull. And then they do that pan around, and you see half the skull. Oh my god! It's like, oh, that's that so insane. beautiful. Yeah, that that uh, pipe bomb was insane. So, who do you think is going to miss the show the most? Well, I know the answer. Do you know the answer? I know the answer. I know who I think is going to miss it. Oh, okay. Who do you think is going to miss it? Uh, aside from the 10.3 million viewers that watched it last night, yes. uh, probably, probably, uh, the city that has been glorified the entire time or, or at least the, uh, Southwest, yes. the Southwest region. I think the city of Albuquerque is going to be probably the most, the most who miss it the most. Well, I mean, the, sh the, the city won't be featured on a weekly show anymore. That's extremely highly rated and winning awards left and right. But at the same time. Right. Even though they will take a hit in tourism, I think there's going to be an upkick in tourism right now because now it's over. So everybody's going to be flocking down there to see where it all happened. That's true. Well, you know, right now the uh, the home that is used for the uh, that was used for the White family has become a major major tourist attraction. Um, I know that wow. one of, one of our buddies was telling me that uh, he follows a lot of the pro wrestlers and stuff online. Okay. And there were several of them that were taking their pictures in front of the house, and you know they were in front of the Heisenberg house. Yeah, and they were That's just awesome. you know they were posting them on uh, Twitter and Facebook and everything. The restaurant that was uh, Los uh, Los Polos, uh, Los Pollos Hermanos. Yes, it's another big stop. But you know that restaurant is actually a burger joint. Oh, that's funny. And that? that's pretty cool. But people stop in there all the time. I feel that Denny's that was featured in the last one is going to become a big place for people to go. I, anything that was featured with any kind of, uh, you know, 
major uh, Hank's house, Walter's house, yeah, Poyos Hermanos. I mean, anything that was a a heavy feature on the show is going to be showed. That's that's going to be a tourist attraction for a while. Yeah, I think uh, the whole you know, uh, there's so many places. Uh, do you think there's going to be an upswing in the old RVs? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I doubt that's going to be occurring. No, I know. But here's the funny thing. And I, I, I don't know if Vince Gilligan is aware of it, but I'm wondering how many meth dealers are going to use, get ideas from the show. Um, you know, I have no clue and I'm not even going to venture to guess. Right. I mean, or do you think now that the police are going to start looking at, uh, tented houses that are being fumigated to make sure there's no meth going on inside? I know, right? That was still that was another brilliant move. Every Winnebago will be searched, right? <laughs> laundry, you know, big industrial laundry mats are going to laundry mats. Do you have a basement? <laughs> so, Trav, where yeah. do you think Breaking Bad, the finale, ranks among other finales? I don't know. Where does it rank among other well, finales? Let's start with this. What do you think the um, the average viewing audience was last night for it? Uh, well, that's unfair because I already said the answer. Oh, you did, didn't you? It was 10.3. I did. If people are paying attention, they already know. Yes. Which, you know, obviously it's up from what it was the week before. Yeah, no, I mean, and that tends to be typical of uh, TV shows that are leaving. But, uh, yeah. It but was- it was up by more than double. It was it was off the charts. It was off the charts how big it was for for this show and for its average viewership and where it ended. It was insane. Yeah, let's see. So let, um, let the folks in on it. Let's see. In adults, eighteen to forty nine, Breaking Bad did a huge five point four rating, uh, putting it ahead of all broadcast premiere last week except for CBS's The Big Bang Theory. Right, but uh, what was its total numbers? Uh, which one? The watched by like it was it was ten point three million people. Yes, ten point three million, which is insane. Where does that rank this year? Um, as far as uh, let's see, as far as series that that went off the air this year, that puts yeah. it number one. Um, the Office wow. was at five point seven. Private, which pra- okay, no offense to The Office, great show, but it's been kind of deteriorating over time a little bit. Yes. So I'm not surprised that its numbers were a little low for its like finale. Private Practice did 5.3, and 30 Rock did 4.8. Wow. So it, it crushed everything that finished this year. Yes. But here's the thing. As big as it was, it's still not the most numbers AMC has ever had for a viewing of you know, one show. What was the biggest they've ever had? Walking Dead. It's got to be either Walking Dead or uh, Mad Men. Walking Dead did 12.4 for its season finale. Wow. Um, The series finale of Breaking Bad delivered more than three times the audience of the most watched show Mad Men. Uh, Let's see. Their episode to date is 3.5 million for their fifth season premiere. Mad Men has always been a lower rated show, though. I'm not, I apologize, not lower rated. It's a highly rated show. It's uh, had lower viewerships. Correct. Let's see. Um, as far as the finale among all cable series, all, all TV shows. This is this is all of the cable series. Okay. Not, this is you know so the main networks ABC, NBC, CBS, you know Fox. This is excluding them. Right. So um, it ranked third behind The Sopranos, which did eleven point nine million. 
Okay. Sex in the City to ten point six. Not surprised. Um. So then, it, then you had Breaking Bad. After that, you would have Monk at nine point four, and TNA's or TNA TNT, TNA's. Where is your brain at uh, today? Young TNT's man? The Closer finished with nine point one to rank uh, to roll out the top so, yeah. five. Breaking Bad finishing between behind The Sopranos and Sex in the City is That's pretty damn good. Pretty amazing, and it wasn't far behind there either. You know, you're talking Sex in the City to ten point six. Right. You know, so it almost tied Sex in the City. Yeah. And let's keep in mind also in 2004, people were not torrenting, were not Netflixing, and were not using those kinds of outfits. If you had everybody forced to one media, everyone had to watch it on TV or they could not see it. So there was no way to watch it on the internet or watch it through your computer or watch it on Netflix or anything like that. I think you'd, you'd see a, a large increase in, in that number. Well, speaking of Netflix, you know, we did obviously mention, you know, where Vince knows that, you know, a lot of it, a lot of their viewership came from there, especially the first, you know, after the first couple seasons. There's a lot of this new style of binge watching television shows on Netflix. But here's here's what's really weird is Breaking Bad was barely hanging on the, on its first season. Uh, which, which is a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah, which uh, with 1.2 million viewers was barely hanging on. Good Lord. Right? Let's see, Anybody it, who did not watch it from the start should be ashamed of themselves. But here's the weird thing. It didn't start to establish more viewership, according to Nielsen, until 2011 when it jumped to 1.9. Wow. And then it then in uh then it spiked to uh what 2.6 million after its abbreviated eight episode run in 2012. Mhm. And yeah, so it you know Netflix really started kicking it in which then it started averaging 5.4 million epi- per episode. That's unbelievable. And that's really I mean that just shows you the impact that you know the change in television is now and how you know Netflix and Hulu and all these others are starting to impact the way television's watched. It's it is amazing what's happening nowadays with with computers and how television and how all you know film television all the visual media is being uh, distributed and represented now. Well, you know, I think you know we saw we kind of talked about it a little bit with the Emmys last week that you you've seen that you know that's why you know you're starting to see shows that are non-television, you know, that right. are not on on cable or satellite. Uh, House of Cards. House of Cards is a big one, you know, that these shows that are on alternative providers are yeah. starting to, you know, gain steam and starting to actually be recognized. I mean, I actually thought that it was going to be a couple of years before we'd start seeing, you know, one of the I guess you'd call them web series showing up in the Emmys and I figured they'd end up doing a special category for him. But for House of Cards to say, you know, to come in there and be stepping up with the big boys pretty much. Well, and let's let's be honest. House of Cards is no web series. That's true. And, you know, and there there is a difference between a, a web series and the original programming that's being put on by Netflix and, you know, Hulu and all these others. Yeah, net, Netflix is putting big budget money and uh, filming full on television shows on sets and everything. And they're buying it from those creators. Uh, web series, you and you uh, web series could get lots of money. I mean, uh, a good one to reference is always the Guild. Sure, uh, has but, done and extremely more of the well. Tradipo- tra- tra- wow, that's more of the traditional web series. 
Right, but they've been extremely successful and have been able to pump more money into it so that it has turned into something that is uh, reflected as a more produced and a higher production value of a show as opposed to, you know, people filming any number of web series right now. You mean up, up, so, down, down? No, I don't, but thanks for mentioning that. <laughs> Had to get it in there. I did. Yep, you did. So um, before we wrap up with Breaking Bad and everything... Um, Anything yes. else you want to say about the uh, series? Say my name. Say my name. Say my name. Uh, you know, I for me personally, the level of storytelling, the level of writing, the le- level of acting, the level of directing that that show had going for it, I hope that it ups the game over the next few years for people because it was an anomaly. I think it was an unbelievably well-written and well-acted show. Uh, I think it was off the charts as far as quality. Oh, and totally. I, I hope that it pushes the envelope for where people look for stories and how they build stories and how they write characters because uh, it seems like there can be a lot of um, shill out there. Yes. And every once in a while you get these kinds of shows that are just unbelievable. So uh, it looks like AMC is doing really good work generally. Um, I've been watching some of their new shows, and they're not as impressive to me as what they had going with Walking Dead and with Breaking Bad. But uh, I really hope that you know the, the future is bright for what they can find something like this again. I know that they're going to be working towards the new Saul, Better Call Sal, Better, Better, Better Call, Call Saul. Saul. Yes. Uh, they're going to do a whole uh, spinoff show with him, basically a prequel before he ever met Walter White. I really hope that uh, that Badger and Skinny Pete end up in it. I I'm think, sure they will. I think that'd be great. He was representing them, so well because that was just it. And when I was when, when I was getting uh, prepared for this, you know, episode, I was going back and I watched some of the stuff with Badger and Skinny Pete, and I dawned on me because there was a scene when you know when Badger gets arrested by the undercover detective. Um, right. And you see the, one of the really first oh, times. Oh, come you, on, man. Yeah. That was a, such a great scene, too. Because, you know, Badger has his number all the way up until the very end, and you go, no, don't. No, he's a cop. You know he's a cop. Yep. But, you know, when he's in the... He's all in, right, man. Here you go. Yeah. When he's Idiot. in the, 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 when he's in the uh, interrogation room and Saul comes in, Better call Saul. And you know he's he's going through it and he's doing the oh you're you're the guy that was masturbating in uh, Starbucks real classy there can't you do it in front of a big screen like the rest of us you know right all this stuff is that you see that he's already a client of his yes you know and you know that he because he said it early on to Jesse or something is that he was already on probation for two you know for, uh, two times before so I really hope that these characters get to be in there because they're such great characters. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it because if they take a serious tone with it, if they keep the serious tone that Breaking Bad did, which I don't think they can do, but I hope they do, they keep the serious tone of the world but leave Saul as kind of a very character-y character, a very, you know, uh, not cartoonish, but he's a very animated character compared to the world of Breaking Bad. I think that could be really interesting to watch, a very real world, a very dramatic world with a very cartoonish character so to speak oh so. yeah yeah so um when uh, one last breaking bad question when, okay when do you think 
Walt made up his mind to start making meth? Uh, it was actually they they showed it in the uh, little promo opening, or at least I think they did the promo opening for uh, for the final episode last night. Uh, there was a moment when it was Walt's birthday or or Hank's birthday way back in season one. Walt's birthday, the fiftieth, his fiftieth birthday. His fiftieth birthday, and and it's when Hank is sitting there talking about, yeah, they made this much money easy. You should come along for a ride along, get a little life in you. And he's like, maybe I should. And that's, I think that's the point where it, I think that was what put him over the edge. See, I think, see I think how easy it was. That I think that was the 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 beginning of it. I don't think it was cemented in his head that he could do this. Until he saw Jesse, his former student, right, come you know rolling out of the the roof, you know from the roof with the girl, right, right. And at that moment when he, because there's that moment when he looks at Jesse and Jesse looks at him, and it's like, oh wait, now I have somebody that knows the inside of it. I can, right. you know, I see what what's going on on Hank's side of things, but now I have a connection because I know this kid and I know how this kid thinks. And I know how I can manipulate this kid where I need to, but when he gets out and then he sees you know the the whole uh, the the whole captain thing on the back of the license plate, I think at that you know that last moment when he's when Jesse's driving off is like that's where it's cemented. I can do this. See, I don't think he. Hmm, that's interesting. I'm not quite sure where it would. Yeah, I mean, where the spark of the idea and where the final decision is made, or if there's a difference between the two. But why would he ever go along on the ride along if he hadn't decided I'm going to try to do this? You know well, what I mean? I think yeah, I think that you know the ride along was definitely the catalyst. Right. You know the to because it went from being. But I think it was really when when Hank was like, they made this much money, and if. They- they had gotten away with it, da, da 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 He was like, holy crap, well, I'm smarter than those morons, and I could make that much money, and I'm going to die of cancer, so there's my money for my kids. Right. And that's my only other option. So, um, before we take off, um, there was a couple of shows that came out last week. You know, uh, we had uh, S.H.I.E.L.D., Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Came yeah. What would you think? I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I am extremely biased. Uh, our viewership or our listenership should know by now that I really like Joss Whedon a lot, right. and I uh, I accept anything he gives me. So put that caveat in there. But I thought it was really good. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I thought it had that Joss Whedon touch. It was a fun, charismatic, you know, uh, I see a family that could be building, and I see characters that can be interacting in the relationships. Whether it's going to be spectacular or not, I don't know. I didn't. I, I didn't get done with the episode thinking, "Oh my God, that was the greatest thing ever." I got done with the episode going, "That was really fun. Let's see where it goes." Right, and that's where you know, and I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. You know, both of us are. You know, anything that Joss throws out, we'll we'll try to hang on to as long as we can. You know, um, but I was getting a lot of talking to a bunch of different people, getting a lot of uh, different views of it that. You know, there were people were talking about how some of the effects didn't look good, or some of the sets didn't feel. It's a TV show. Right. They don't have four hundred million dollars to put into and it. And then, then the other thing was, well, some of the acting wasn't, you know, or the actresses or the actors weren't up to what they would hope to have been. Mm. But you know, and, and my rebuttal to that was, well, you also have to remember that until you get to episode usually three, three or four, four or five, right? Most of the most of the scripts that were written weren't written for those actors. Right. They were written 
you know, for an actor, but the actor has to play to the script instead of the script starting to play to the actor. Also, you have actors working together for the very first time. You have directors working with actors for the first time. And that goes for everyone on set. The crew, the actors, the directors, the producers, everyone, the grips, the sound, the camera, all the people that are working together, the costuming, the makeup, they're all doing it for the first time. They're all feeling each other out. It's a new job for everyone. And anybody in the world out there who is, you know, remembers the first day or the first week on their new job, knows that there's trepidation, there's anxiety, there's feeling your way out, there's getting used to it, there's understanding what you have to do. There's all that stuff going on. So when they did this pilot, even though they had a bunch of rehearsals, even though they had worked on it for a while, it wasn't like it was something they had been doing for months or years. It's not like old hat to them. So... It's going to be interesting to see if they can build those characters and and create a, an interesting ensemble there. Well, and the, the stuff that I, I really, really enjoyed about the show was the Coulson stuff. You know, well, yeah. When you had Ron Glass, who came, who is... Shepard! Shepard Book, yes. Obviously, if you are a Joss Whedon fan, you know Shepard Book from Firefly. Joss is, Joss is pulling in his people again. Oh, I love it. I was so glad to see him. I think it's a good role for him, too. I, ho- I hope so. I and hope it looked it like it could be a fun role. And the whole thing with with him and 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 you know and Colby Smolder standing there talking about Coulson and you know you could so tell if you are a comic book fan you know exactly what Coulson is, right? And I'm not going to say it yet because I'm sure there's some people nope. out there that don't nope. know. But I was so excited for that, and then the car at the end of it when it you know the classic shield car that flies was like yes okay I'm happy, right. Yeah, I don't think I was excited as you are, but uh, it should be fun to see what happens with it. I'm I'm very excited, and I hope it's successful. Yes. So also, it, DC's not trying to be outdone. I don't know geez, if our if our listeners are keeping up, but DC apparently has said, okay, we're sick and tired of being beaten on the film screen period because they are rolling out apparently everything on television. They yep. announced that they're going to be doing Constantine. Uh, so if people remember back in the day, Constantine, the, the film that starred Keanu Reeves and Rachel Weisz, uh, they are going to be doing a TV show based on that character. They are introducing The Flash to uh, this season of Arrow, which, which is airing on CW. Which will be a and, spinoff. And they have announced that they are going to spin off The Flash into his own TV show. And then number four was, uh-oh, what was the fourth one? Gotham. Oh, that's right. They're, they announced Gotham, which is going to be uh, based around Jim Gordon, who everybody knows as Commissioner Gordon. Uh, it's going to be him as a lieutenant detective back before he ever met uh, Batman. But there's going to be parts of the rogues gallery and the villains are going to be introduced in the show. So it which, sounds like a Gotham City dark drama procedural with like Commissioner Gordon and, and the Joker comic book villains, which would be interesting. I mean, but see, here's the weird thing about all this: they right? are man, they are. They were like, "All right, we're tired of this. Fire all our cannons at once." But do you realize this? Other than they're doing this on NBC, will be Constantine, right? You'll have Arrow and um, the Flash. Flash on CW, right? And Fox and will Fox have got Gotham, right? So. They're just hey, they're obviously just they're not going to get in. Obviously they're not going to get anything on ABC because that's Disney owned, which is Marvel, right? But they're not, and they're not trying with CBS because you know that's all the NCISs and you know, right? But they're hitting everything else, trying to 
to compete, especially since Marvel already, you know, they already announced that uh, uh, Agent Carter is going to be next year too. So they'll have two. Yeah. Which going to be interesting. Agent Carter, after I, because I, I got the Iron Man 3 uh, DVD and watched the Agent Carter uh, one mini, shot. Mini shot. Yeah. yeah. And at the end of it, um, Howard Stark wants her to come to, New, to, come to uh, Washington, D.C. with him to run S.H.I.E.L.D. So it right. sounds like it's going to be taking place in the 40s with the formation of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that was be, the question was, is this going to be like an old school period piece or is this going to be like the current Carter? Because the current Carter is... Right, Sharon. Well, Steve Rogers squeeze. Right, so I think this kind of cleared it up because you know, we, we did bring that up last week. We were talking about that. But I think this cleared it up a little bit where it actually made... Watching this made me more excited about the idea of doing the, uh, the uh, Agent Carter. So, uh, Trav, um, you want to tell the listeners about the comic books coming out this week? Oh, uh, yes. Comic books for the masses. Here we go. So we'll make a nice so, transition there from one to the other. I know. And we're going to, yeah, transition from TV talk and Marvel and DC to the actual comic books that they sell on the newsstands. So coming out this week from Marvel, we have the all-new X-Men number 17, which brings us part six of the Battle of the Atom. Uh, this is a crossover series that's been going on, uh, which has not received nearly as much attention as either Marvel or its fans would like with the Infinity event going on and, of course, the Villains Month that's been going on for DC. Yeah, it's kind of gotten lost in there, but, you know, it is the X-Men, so, you know. It's the X-Men, so it always has its its people, you know, watch. The the fans of the X-Men always read the X-Men. It's, it's, let's be honest, it's a soap opera. Right. And people pay attention to it when they want to. Uh, but Bendis is really uh, rejumbling and redefining the uh, X-Men universe with this new era and this battle for the atom. So tune in. Uh, speaking of the crossovers, yes. uh, the X-Men kick off the Arms of the Octopus event with an all-new X-Men special number one. Ooh. Ooh. This event is also receiving underwhelming attention but could have huge ramifications involving the inevitable return of one Mr. Peter Parker. Wait, who is he? Who's Peter Parker? Peter Parker, he's dead. Don't he's worry dead. about it. He's oh. dead. He's so dead. I oh, care. wait, he'll be resurrected again. He'll be re-erected? <laughs> he'll be re-erected, which is really, really a dirty job for somebody. <laughs> uh, Peter Parker is coming back. Could uh. be coming back. I'm sure they're going to milk, you know, the uh, now for those of us who listen to our show and are interested in more the Breaking Bad type of stuff and don't know Peter Parker. If you have been under a rock for the past two decades, is Spider Man? No way. What? Two decades? He's been around longer than that. <laughs> I know, but I, I'm talking with all the movies and all the cartoons and everything else. Yes. I mean, you have to you you have to have heard who Peter Parker is by now. Yes, and then speaking and of in number six ninety eight, uh, Doc Ock. Tricked Peter Parker to and took over his took mind over the body. And took his over body, the body. Basically, yes. That was that was that was really brilliant and really interesting and really smart. And then I was like, yeah, but where's Peter Parker? Oh, but it's still it's still going really good. It's still a, uh, Superior Spider Man is a great book to pick up. Actually, Superior Spider Man is is pretty awesome. Speaking of Peter Parker, yes. Be sure to check out Marvel Knights Spider-Man number one, a standalone miniseries which original uh, Spidey battles 99 of his greatest foes. The Marvel Knights imprint was a smashing success in the 90s, moreover like the early 90s. 
Uh, it was like the more adult kind of oriented, uh, bringing top creators into Marvel Studios to work on their favorite characters. So it was basically one of those things where they were like, hey, you're a crazy writer. Like, hey, Frank Miller, come do, uh, you know, Wolverine for a little while. It was it was interesting. Well, they also got to be, you know, darker, more, you know, like you said, adult. It was. Oriented. It was more adult oriented. They, they generally were always uh, more adult oriented. Uh, and in this revival of the Knights brand, yes. superstar creator Matt Kint gives us his take on the wall crawler. Nice. Yes, back to our friends at DC, the other big boys in the tent. Uh, DC Comics returns to normal, if you want to call it that, following its commercially successful, although awkward, starting Villains Month. I don't know if DC can ever be considered normal. Uh, Well, yeah, DC isn't exactly what I'd call normal. Of course, they will kick this off with Forever Evil number two, where the crime syndicate has unleashed all of the worst criminals the DCU has to offer upon the world, and there is no Justice League to save your ass. And a quick question. What happened to Dick Grayson? That's going to be revealed with Nightwing. There you go. Hey, there you are. Maybe the Justice League isn't dead. Dun, dun, dun. As the crime syndicate claims, but is lost in time. Hi, uh, I'd like to phone in Bruce Wayne, who <laughs> apparently went through the battle for the cowl in time. But since Bruce Wayne, Batman, is part of the Justice League, he's lost in time again. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Just, hey, guys, that horse isn't dead enough. Why don't you beat it some more? <laughs> Which uh, would bring us to explain why our, quote-unquote, Justice League is in the year 3000. But see, he's lost in time and forward in time, whereas when he was dead, he was lost. It was back in back time. In yeah, time. Great, great, yeah. Really smart. I, I see what you did there. You switched time zones. <laughs> in the year 3000. Awesome. Uh, it all Bye gets reference. explained in Justice League 3000 number one. Maybe. Perhaps. And if non-continuity is uh, more to your liking, then check out Batman Black and White number two, where top creators give us Batman stories in gloriously simple black and white issues. They're pretty cool. And finally on the docket is uh, one near and dear to my heart. Yay! Good old Dark Horse is going to give us The Star Wars, the Lucas Draft number two. This is continuing this adaptation that uh, Dark Horse purchased of the Star Wars original film draft that never saw the light of day and is completely different than what you saw in the films way back in the 70s and 80s. How different? Well, Luke Skywalker is an old general, and that's as far as I'll go. It's so good. The characters, the worlds, the story is very different. And the first issue was an unbelievable success for them, with many stores completely sold out on the first day they carried them. Yes. So congrats, Dark Horse. You got a, you got a winner. So real quick, um, you know how we were talking last week with uh, DC's Villains Month, the uh, Joker's Daughter? Yes. Selling for astronomical prices on Yes. You eBay? you bought it for $185, didn't no, you? No, I didn't. You stupid bastard. But it immediately after the reviews and everything, it immediately dropped down to like thirty to forty dollars. There's a big surprise. I read it. Oh God, it was so painful. Oh Yeah. I want yeah. and the, and the art was not good at all. I want and I wanted this book to be so good. I wanted that character to you know, just to be I wanted her to be Walter Walter White, you know. I wanted her to be Heisenberg, you know that that just that character that just did what they needed to do and didn't have any remorse. Yeah, that didn't happen. And it didn't happen. It was not oh. even close. 
Yeah, so um I think So hey, go go spend 30 or 40 bucks on that. Yeah, or just wait another couple weeks it'll drop back down to nothing anyway. Back to nothing. Yeah, you can pay for it for a buck 50 in the old section. Yes. So yeah, I want to thank everybody that made it to the Nerdables Breaking Bad party last night. It was pretty cool. We had a themed party. Everybody got to bring in some food that was based off of the show. Um, my wife made these great red phosphorus deviled eggs that were actually cayenne pepper on top. And we made about, I think we made about three pounds of uh, rock candy meth. So it was pretty cool. Uh, we gave out a prize pack to everybody, but don't worry if you didn't make it to the party. We're going to have a prize pack for you guys. For the first five people that go to iTunes and leave us a message, you're going to receive a Ken Taylor print of the entire cast of Breaking Bad. You'll receive the missing poster that was put out by uh, Skyler and Marie and everybody in, I think it was season two or three when Walt went missing. We also have a couple little... Uh, cut out paper dolls of Walt and Jesse that you can put them in their hazmat suits or you can make Walt look like he's Heisenberg, you know, uh, and you'll also receive some of the Breaking Bad rock candy meth that we made. We'll receive a bag or two of that as well. So be one of the first five people to go over to iTunes and leave us a message. And on that note, I think, it I is think it's time, time to end to this episode. Wrap it up. So, as always, follow us at Facebook.com backslash Nerdables and on Twitter at Nerdables Show. And don't forget to head over to Nerdables.com. For Travis, I'm R.A. Rain saying, Yo, science, bitch!